Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobbed one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkowski! <laughs> There's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out! He may run. Mahomes. No, throw the end down. Battle intercepted. Picked off in the end zone. Bucks are gonna beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All big Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there the cannons go. Cannon. Fire them. Keep yeah. on firing them. Keep on firing them. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast, live on YouTube today for episode 236. It is the return of the Midweek Mailbag Show. How are we doing? Pleasure to have you. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Happy Wednesday to you, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you? Doing good. I'm excited to answer some of these questions. Uh, it seemed like we got a lot more questions this week than we usually do, so I'm excited to really just tear through these and uh, make this a great show over the next 45 minutes to an hour. Thank you guys for checking in with us. Really quick in the live chat over on YouTube, have to say hello to everybody here. Our moderator, Willie Beeman, holding it down as always. Shout out to the Can of Fire podcast and all the fans here in the chat. Buck Skull Gang in the house, Richard T., Frank G., thank you guys for stopping by and hanging out with us. So let's just jump right into things. We're going to catch you up on all the latest uh, Buccaneers rumors and news, and then we'll answer your questions at the same time. So you can tell by the title of today's episode, we're going to be addressing some rumors particularly at the wide receiver position, but we're not going to be talking about just one guy who has ties to Tampa Bay. Maybe we'll try and, you know, explain some other options that are in there because while there are a lot of connections with this one wide receiver, uh, he may not be the most realistic option or at least the most useful option, but we'll talk about all of that and more. So let's go ahead and get into it. Our first question comes to us from our buddy, The Real Deal on Instagram. His question is this. Should the Bucs sign another veteran wide receiver uh, with all the injuries that they are currently going through? As we know, we talked about earlier this week, Chris Godwin, his season is over, torn ACL, so he will not return even if the Buccaneers make a deep playoff run. Mike Evans should be good to go by the playoffs with a hamstring injury, but he is considered week to week right now. So, you know, I, I don't know how much of a hurry they're going to be in to get him back out on the field. But, you know, let's get to our buddy Deal's question here. Should the Bucs sign another veteran wide receiver? You know, it obviously makes sense, but a name that's been linked to this team, I guess we should talk about the elephant in the room here, is former Arizona Cardinal Larry Fitzgerald, who is like officially, unofficially retired, it seems, this year. Hasn't played any football at all this season and seems like he's just waiting around for the perfect opportunity. And the Bucs do make a lot of sense. But, Evan, I'll toss it over to you. Firstly, is Larry Fitzgerald even a realistic option for the Bucs? Because I know the connections are there. Uh, and second, are they going to be in the market for another veteran veteran wide receiver to act as like a Band-Aid, you know, to wrap up the regular season? 
You kind of sound like a little bit Elmer Fudd there. Yeah, the, yeah. The... <laughs> it, it, it got it got away from me there. Um, you know, obviously the connection is there, right? And yes, it is obvious uh, with Larry Fitzgerald and the role that Fitzgerald would have in Bruce Arians' offenses that he had in Arizona uh, is very similar to the role that Chris Godwin had, right? And I get it, right? It, it's a veteran. It's someone who's Arians familiar with. Larry Fitzgerald could sign with a team to try and win a ring. Look, at this point, Fitzgerald hasn't played football in almost like over a year. Um, it it wouldn't make much sense to me. Uh, I just I don't see, you know, if you're going to sign a wide receiver, I think it'd be somebody who's actually not that old and hasn't played football in that long. So while it's a fun thought, uh, I, I really don't think it's it's a possibility. Uh, like I said, it's a fun thought. It's a fun little nugget, but I, I don't believe it's a possibility. Hey, quick ad break, but uh, let me tell you about our guys over at betonline.ag, one of our main sponsors of the podcast for over a year at this point. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Head to the new updated desktop or a mobile website they have to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and a proud sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. And I think the reason a name like that is always going to get brought up, not only because of Bruce Arians and the connections he has with a lot of former Arizona players. I mean, he's done it before where he's brought in some of his guys from Arizona. But like, you know, the Bucks are also just that sexy pick right now. Like if anybody is a free agent, the Bucks are going to be a target because as we've seen over the past two years, the Bucks really aren't above signing anybody, but they like signing these big names. You know, Richard Sherman earlier in the season, while he's not the player he was, he's still another one of those guys I never thought would be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. They just signed Le'Veon Bell this week. We'll talk <laughs> about that signing here in a minute, too. Get in more depth on that one. But, you know, I guess we should have addressed it, I think, is is what we're trying to do here is get out in front of this topic. Because throughout the rest of the week, if the Bucs are still hurting for a wide receiver, hell. I mean, if Larry Fitz is still unsigned this time next week and the Buccaneers receiver core did not look great against Carolina this storyline is going to be, you know, we're in its ugly uh, head and you're going to I hear did, about it even more. I think, I think you're going to see him maybe sign a wide receiver. It just won't be him. Like he just, right. he hasn't played football in a year. Like it's not that easy. Uh, you know, Tony brings up in the chat, like it takes time to build chemistry and learn a playbook and get into game shape. And that's the thing with him not being able to play in a year and him being so old, the, the game shape thing is going to be a serious concern with a guy like him. Right. You have no issues with him learning the playbook or anything like that, but um, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not, he, like he says, this isn't Madden, right? You can't just plug in a guy and he's going to play. Um, you know, it's tough. And it's tough for me to imagine a scenario where Larry Fitzgerald or, and I know we'll probably get some comments about this because I've seen some comments or I got like Julian Elman that won't be happening either. Um, so no, I, I, yeah, I, I think there's even tough less for me to see. I think there's even less chance of a Julian Edelman signing than a Larry Fitz signing at this point. But, you know, while we get away from the big names that people want to talk about, let's talk about some more realistic options for Tampa Bay, because we talked about the possibility of maybe adding another guy in there for depth. 
I know it's very short term. I know the regular season literally has three games left. So if they were going to go out and sign a guy tomorrow, it's not like he's going to play this week. But are there any options out there for the Bucks, And is it something that they still would want to consider? I think right now, no, it's not something that they would consider. I mean, Bruce James was asked about it earlier this week, and he said, like, he's fine with what they got in house. Um, look at it this way. I mean, Mike Evans, it doesn't sound like Mike Evans is done for the regular season. It, it sounds like maybe he won't play this week, but it sounds like he's definitely going to return sometime soon. Um, then you have, obviously, Antonio Brown returning. Rashad Perryman, who's close to return off of the COVID list. Uh, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Jalen Darden. And you also don't know Justin Watson's status either. Plus, you have three tight ends there and uh, Rod Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, and Cameron Braid. So, I, you know, as far as pass catching options, I just I don't see any options that are going to be really worth it. There, there's nobody available right now that's going to be worth it to cut one of those guys. Um, there's just nobody out there because they're, they're out there for a reason, right? Like they they're available this time of year for a reason. So. It's uh, it's I don't I don't really know, and I'm sure you could look at a list of free agents and say, well, this guy this and this guy that, and I'm sure there's some guys on practice squads who could be a little bit useful, but is that worth you know cutting a guy for for three games of a you know of a player because you're hoping that you know you won't have to see a guy like Jalen Darden line up at receiver in a playoff game, right? Like you're you're hoping that it's gonna be more like you know Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Rashad Perryman, and Tyler Johnson. Really, those those are probably the four. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. I, I really wouldn't expect it. Like I said, Bruce Arians was asked about it and sometimes he'll give hints, right? We've seen that before where he says, well, we'll have to take a look. And this time he, he said, no, I'm comfortable with what they have in house. So I wouldn't expect it. Never say never. Um, but I, I really would be surprised, uh, but obviously this is all, you know, but before the Carolina game, what if, what if Tyler Johnson goes down the Carolina game, right? What if Scotty Moore goes down that could change things that could easily change things. So we'll have to wait and see. And as we kind of shift our focus into what the bucks have in the reserves in that wide receiver room, I think the reason this topic is being talked about this week, I guess, you know, exclusively by us here, but I think the reason we bring this up is just because of the criticism that this wide receiver room did face against New Orleans. I know the defensive game plan against the Saints really factors into that a lot. Um, But B.A. said it himself. A lot of these younger wide receivers that are going to have to step up over these next Mm -hmm. few weeks really aren't the best at, you know, getting separation. And obviously that's something that's going to come with more experience and more reps, which is going to be value by the time the playoffs come around because they have the rest of the season to build that stuff up. But, you know, just something we should talk about. But Let's talk about what the Buccaneers do have in their own wide receiver room. Our next question actually from the mailbag comes from our buddy Dante Avery on Instagram. He asks us, what is the Bucks' best choice at slot receiver? It's a two-part question. Also, should we stash Mike Evans for the rest of the regular season? So we'll go ahead and knock out this first part really quickly. Um, We do know with the absence of Chris Godwin, huge hole in the slot receiver position because that's where Chris Godwin really, you know, made his money. Um, in this Tampa Bay offense, Rashad Perryman is always an option. I, I think Antonio Brown would be a better option considering the Bucks also get him back this week. I think we might have overlooked that a little earlier in the discussion, but you do get a B back this week. Perryman could be an option, but I, I just don't think that's the best fit for him. Uh, and then as you run down some other guys on the depth chart, what do you think, Evan, would be you know the best fit for that offense and uh, one of those guys working out of the slot? So I'm thinking of guys who have similar skill sets to Chris Godwin. Uh, you're going to need that, um, you know, you, you're going to need 
you know, somebody who can block, right? Because it's the slot, the slot wide receiver position in a Bruce Arians offense is one of the most important positions, actually, uh, other than quarterback. And uh, you're going to need a guy that can do a little bit of everything. And I think the guy is, is Tyler Johnson. Um, I think he's the guy who is going to most be able to replicate what Chris Godwin can do. Obviously not as a receiver, but, you know, sort of as a blocker, he's probably their next best blocking guy, unless you want to put Mike Evans in the slot exclusively. Um, you know, Antonio Brown can block, but he's not as good as Johnson. Brashad Perriman's kind of the same way. So I think as far as in terms of replacing Chris Godwin's skill set with somebody similar, I think Tyler Johnson probably is your best bet. Um, like I said, he's able to block. You just hope he's able to to, to get the receiving going, right? He He's had some solid moments. He, moments, though, right? He hasn't really put together a string of games. He had a few nice games last year, had a really nice game against the Saints earlier this year, um, and now he's going to need to step up even more. And this could decide his future in Tampa Bay, not necessarily saying he's going to get cut. Um, he's still under contract for two more seasons after this one, but um, – you know, it could decide, you know, are the Bucks looking in the third or fourth round this year? Are they going to be drafting a wide receiver? You know, could they? It's possible. We all know Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown are free agents. We don't know what's going to happen with them. Could they draft a wide receiver earlier than expected if a guy like Tyler Johnson can't step up? So I think if you're looking for a guy to replace Tyler Johnson, I mean, to replace Chris Godwin, Tyler Johnson is the closest thing to it. Obviously, he's not Chris Godwin, but he is the closest thing to it. Yeah, I think it's, you know, another opportunity for Tyler Johnson, as you said, to not only fill in that role, a pretty important role in this offense, but just to to put some more good film together. Because like you said, we have some highlights. We know what he is capable of. I know that even coming out of the draft, you were a huge Tyler Johnson fan. And I think this guy could be a future staple wide receiver for this football team. But you know, he has to really step it up over these next three games. And I do think he has the opportunity to do so, especially with Antonio Brown back out on the field. Like, let's let's be realistic here. Let's look at what this offense was working with in the second half of that game against New Orleans. He had Scotty Miller out there, Jalen Darden on the field at the same time. Like, I think that came against the Saints. Well, I don't think. I know for a fact that's the farthest the Bucs have had to dig into that, you know, wide receiver depth bag in a while. Like, I think the last time we were really spread that thin was late 2019 when, you know, our boy Brashad Perryman really stepped it up as a number one wide receiver for Jameis Winston because Mike Evans and Chris Godwin had basically gone out and been done for the year. So, you know, as the room shifts, it definitely helps to get a good wide receiver one like AB back. I mean, obviously you still have Mike Evans. But I think here we're just hypothetically speaking of other guys who can step up if they wanted to stash Mike Evans. But let me get your thoughts on that, actually, really quickly. Do you think it would be wise for the Buccaneers to maybe put Mike Evans on hold? I don't know about the rest of the regular season, just because we did talk about how important it is to get those reps before the playoffs start. But I mean, with a guy considered week to week, Mike Evans already has injury history. I mean, we got lucky enough in 2020 when he had that, you know, knee bend the wrong way in the end zone right before the end of the regular season. Um, I mean, I think he'll get his 1K yards this year. But do you think maybe they aren't too, uh, aren't too, what's the word? Aren't too much of in a hurry to to put him back out on the field this week? I think this week maybe, um, but I think you see him the rest sometime this season because I think they are going to try to get him his one K 
Um, he's at 899 right now, so he needs 101. And I think they're going to – I don't think they're going to rush him this week, but I think there's going to be a little bit of urgency. And also probably from Evan's side, you know, that's a pretty big accomplishment, right? Um, having what it would be eight straight thousand yard seasons. Be, I believe. I, I'm so, pretty sure he'd be the only wide receiver in history to do so. Yeah. And I mean, his that, first that's a eight big seasons deal. in the league. Um, yeah. That's a huge so I'm, deal. I'm sure Mike Evans is going to push for it as well. So I'm not sure if that's the last you'll see of Mike Evans in regular season. Um, I, I'm not sure he's going to play this week. I'm not sold on that, but I do think he's going to return um, some point here before the playoffs. So um We'll see what happens. It, it's it's an interesting thought. If he already got his thousand yards, maybe that they would just say, "Hey, like it's not worth it." But I think the Bucks and Mike Evans himself will want to try and and get that accomplishment. If if during the Jets game and during the last Panthers game, if things aren't going their way and it doesn't really seem like it's possible, maybe they do sit him out and just say, "Like, hey, it just didn't happen this year." Um, but I do think they're going to at least both sides are at least going to try to to get him that. Yeah, and for the sake of the record, I mean, we have to talk about it from this point of view as well. If you're Mike Evans, or I guess when you look at what Mike Evans can bring to the table, you know, he can get 101 yards and a half. <laughs> like, he's the type of player where he can totally explode between, what, the uh, the three games they have left, you keep him out, he's got two whole games to get 100 yards. I I like those odds. I know that maybe there's going to be a scenario where if they really need to squeeze it in there down the stretch, they force the ball to him, but... If you're forcing the ball to Mike Evans against a team like the Jets, per se, I don't feel too upset about that. So hopefully for Mike Evans' sake, they can get him back out on the field, but in moderation, you know, I think at the end of the day, the Bucs are going to do whatever they need to, but everybody's goal should be getting as healthy as possible before the playoffs. Because that's just that Mm -hmm. that's when your season starts again for real. Uh, It is win or go home. So Let's go ahead and get to our next mailbag question here. We'll talk about another piece of this offense, something we actually touched on yesterday with our good buddy, Mr. Bucks Nation, uh, over on our YouTube channel. If you guys want to check that video out, we went in depth on this topic. We'll do it again right here for you. But the acquisition of Le'Veon Bell, the former Pittsburgh Steeler, the New York Jet, the Kansas City Chief, most recently a Baltimore Raven, and now he is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. His intro press conference was today, and uh, something interesting that came out that actually kind of surprised me was he was ready to hang up the cleats and become a boxer had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not called him on the phone. He basically put it out there that the Bucs are the one team he was looking to play for. If it wasn't the Bucs, he was probably going to retire and uh, go ahead and schedule a fight with Jake Paul coming up here soon. So I'm glad to see he's in Tampa Bay, and I hope he can bring some life into this offense with the uh, you know last three weeks of the season, Leonard Fournette going down and Ronald Jones getting a much bigger role. But our next question comes from us. I am cool dude Domo. I think I said that right. How will the Le'Veon Bell signing help us exactly? Evan, I'll, uh, I'll toss this to you. Well, did you watch Keyshawn Vaughn or, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's how it'll help. Um, Bell isn't the same player, right? We're going to, we're going to put that out there right now. He is not the same player that he once was even three years ago, right? He's just not the same guy or else he wouldn't be available, right? Baltimore would have kept them or Kansas city would have kept them or the jets would have kept them. Somebody would have kept them. Um, but he is better at pass catching than Keyshawn Vaughn ever is. He's a veteran who's been in a lot of big situations and he's a willing pass blocker. 
Um, so is Keyshawn Vaughn. He's willing to do it. Um, but that's something that Ronald Jones has struggled with and something that Keyshawn Vaughn just isn't quite ready for. So I think that's why um, they, they, I think that's why they, they signed Bell. Um, and that, that's why they made this move. So Ronald Jones is still going to be a starter. Um, he, he's still going to be the guy you're not going to see. I don't think too many times where uh, Le'Veon Bell is receiving carries out of the backfield. I think he's going to be exclusively a third down back and it may only be for two games once Giovanni Bernard comes back. So, you know, we'll see, right. We'll see what happens, but I think that's, that's the role you're going to see Le'Veon Bell. in. it's not going to be as significant as people think here. And um, you know, we'll have to see what happens. Um, I, I don't really think it, I, I, a lot of people, are upset and I just I don't see why it's it's a signing for the last three weeks of the season and he may only actually play in two of those games like it's not that huge of a deal um Frank G says sneak Vaughn Evans favorite football player that's right um no I mean no offense nothing personally you know it's it's nothing personal it's just it's like Bruce Arians said you know I like I can like you as a person but your football sucks like he shown Vaughn and it's not he just he ain't it right now man and this team who's trying to win, if they were rebuilding, sure, you could live through the growing pains. But right now, this this team can't afford that. Like, they cannot afford to go into these final three games. I don't care if it's against the Panthers or the Jets. They can't afford to go into these final three games with Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn as their two main running backs. Ronald Jones, sure. But Keyshawn Vaughn, you, you can't rely on him. Um, and then Willie Beeman, oh, yeah, Evan, the clock is definitely ticking on Vaughn with this signing. Hopefully he wakes up. I I mean, I don't know. I think the clock may have already struck midnight. It's uh, the signing already happened. Like he's not going to get as many reps now. And I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. It wouldn't surprise me if Keyshawn Vaughn is a surprise cut from training camp next year. Not saying it's going to happen, but wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Tony says Panthers got a good pass D. This will be tough. Um, well, you know, it's a, uh, it's a good pass defense, but also it's not as good as it was. A lot of the Panthers' success has been against. You know, not great competition. And even though the Bucks are banged up right now, I still think, you know, they're going to be fine. So hey, uh, I, I think as far really, as far as as far as Bell goes, sorry, just a really quick summarize. As far as Bell goes, I wouldn't I wouldn't take him to be anything more than just a third down running back who can maybe be some insurance rate in the playoffs. Well, and another storyline I think that comes from this signing is once you come to terms with the rule uh with the role that Le'Veon Bell is going to play in this offense it definitely means that Ronald Jones I think is going to have a little bit more of an opportunity to step up and be that pure running back that so many people including myself wanted him to be this season Leonard Fournette with the success he had he definitely won that job from Rojo but now Rojo has an opportunity to put some good film together for whatever team is probably going to want to sign him next season. Because between you and me and everybody else who's listening, I don't think Rojo is going to be a buck next year. I think he's going to take his money wherever he can get it. I mean, listen, I don't like to overthink things, but if body language is any implication at all of how this guy feels about being in Tampa right now, he doesn't look to be very excited a lot of the times. Like whenever he is on the field, man, it almost just, I want to ask, have you noticed this too? Like, does he just look checked out on your TV every time you see him? He looks like a lot of the times he'd rather be anywhere else in the world. Like, I, I just, I don't know what it is, but he definitely doesn't have that same Rojo aura, I guess, that he had well, in like early 2019 oh. or even, you know, late 2019. I mean, would you? 
I guess not, right? You know, Leonard Fournette comes in and steals your job. It's just, <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't know. The, the camera showed them the other night, and they were down nine to nothing on national TV. I mean, do you want to be smiling and have no, a good time, or you know, no, it's just, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and then, but I, I do think, a, you know, I do think hopefully he has the ability to step up. I, I think we'll see. Uh, you know, his strongest runs of the year over these next three games, at least for uh, this offense sake, I hope we do. Yeah. Uh, David Cardona says, I got a question for coach Wanish. Will the QB position be evaluated this week? Like you mentioned on Sunday. Um, so <laughs> yeah. if you want to pose the question to me, I, I can yeah. gladly yeah. answer so, that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, get you, we'll get you some more live feed from the podium here, checking in with coach Wanish. Uh, Coach Wanish, there was a lot of talk after Sunday's game about reevaluating the quarterback position because you do have a washed 44-year-old man under center. Uh, has that discussion turned into anything else by the midweek point? I think when you lose 9 and nothing, everything's going to be under discussion. And uh, we're actively having those, those talks, and we're going to see what happens in practice this week. Tom had you know, a nice day of practice today. If so to blame. We like what he does. We, he brings a lot of good things, and Kyle as well. So it's a chance for, you know, for Kyle to get some reps maybe. If there's an opportunity there, we're going to do what's best for our football team. Uh, we're going to do what's best to get a win versus Carolina Panthers, and we're going to go with the quarterback that gives us that. So you'll, you'll find out who's active on Sunday. Coach, now, really quickly, uh, we do have Bruce Arians on record saying that, quote, Blaine Gabbert could be the future of this franchise. Uh, so so could Gabbert's time be coming? Uh, I you know, Like I said, again, we're, that's something we're going to have to evaluate. And uh, we're going to have to get into the film room. We're, we're going to go with the guy who gives us the best chance to win on Sunday. Uh, we're, we're not we're going to go with the guy we feel gives us the best chance to win. And if that's, you know, if, if that's Tom, if that's Blaine, if that's Ryan, that's Kyle, you know, we're going to go with that guy. So they're going to be ready and uh, we're, we're going to be we're going to be able to hopefully win a football game with either guy. I hope people know we're kidding uh, really quickly. Another question in the live chat. This comes from David Cardona, and it has to do with the offense over the next couple of games for Tampa Bay. Do you expect the screen style on offense to decline these next three games? I know it was kind of minimal anyways, but Chris Godwin was really the main guy for those wide receiver screen plays. Um, and then I, you know, we also see a similar play to Gronk every now and again, but with Chris Godwin, not out there, are we going to stop seeing that play? Finally, you might see it a little bit. Um, you say finally, like it doesn't work. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> like it you works just don't, you time. just, you just um, don't have Chris Godwin. And I guess wide receiver so, screens I mean, always give me anxiety. That's a way, of... that's a way to give it to Tyler Johnson. That's a way to get him some touches. That's a way. Now you have Antonio Brown back and they ran out with him a few times. So, you know, that, that's a way to get him some touches. So I don't think I, it'll decrease, but I don't think it'll totally disappear. Um, Tony says they never even used Bernard. We've been over this. They didn't use Bernard because Leonard Fournette did what Bernard what you know what they wanted Bernard to do. Yeah. Leonard Fournette had no trouble catching the ball. Since Fournette's out, they would use Bernard plenty. Trust me. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, let's see real quick. Just checking up on the chat. Uh, Rojo put himself in that doghouse. It is what it is. It's true. I mean, it's it's all a lot of it's self-inflicted. Um, will the Bucks get the number one seed? No, that's that's pretty much out the window at this point. Yeah. It, w- it what would require the Bucks would need to win out, and now the Packers would need to lose two of their next three games, and that's just that's not very likely. So we do have one final mailbag question here. This comes from our buddy Kendall, the Jet Setter Life on Twitter. He asks, "Why would the Bucks throw a thirty-yard pass 
on fourth and one. Now, this was a hot topic after the Saints game, of course, because not only on fourth and one, but any third and one situation, it felt like the Bucs found themselves in. Tom Brady would drop back, look for a receiver down the field. Felt like nine times out of ten, it was Rob Gronkowski who couldn't catch a cold on Sunday, and uh, the pass would fall incomplete. And everybody would just throw stuff at their TV, and I think all together, collectively, just, you know, because the Bucs needed a yard. And we're if trying it's to complete. Would they be complaining? We're tra- no, they certainly wouldn't. But exactly. I think the logic behind looking for the home run on third and one or even looking for the pass interference, because that's what I personally felt like Brady was doing for the first half of the game. Um, you know, just the idea behind going for that instead of just moving the sticks and keeping the drive going, especially when nothing was working on offense. I, I mean, I don't know, man. What is what is your thoughts on this question? Blame the quarterback on that fourth and one. That, that that's on that's on Tom Brady. I, I know I don't know what else to say. Everybody, I think I guess it's the cool thing to blame the coaching staff and not the players. But like fourth and one, you can clearly see Tom Brady signaled to Gronkowski to switch it up. They made the check. It was the same exact check that they made in Atlanta. The only difference was in Atlanta it was a touchdown. Like that was on a third and four that they made that check in Atlanta, and it worked. Nobody complained. This time it was a fourth and one. Brady made the check to him, changed the play once he saw Gronk had one-on-one coverage, and it didn't work. So everybody wanted to blame the coaching staff. That was a Tom Brady decision. Like it was. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Like it happens. Right? Yes. Was the coaching staff bad? Yes, they were. They were horrible on Sunday night. Were the players also bad? Yes. Both go have to go hand in hand. You cannot just ignore the player's execution and only blame the coaching staff when something doesn't go right. But, but when it does go right, you can't just you know, praise the players and completely ignore the staff either. It has to go both ways. Um, AJ Sue says, we're playing in Green Bay, even if we make it, if we even make it that far. Well, playing Green Bay last year, and we all saw how that turned out. So, um, uh, you know, it's – the thing about the coaching staff to me, it's just, it's so frustrating because it's like these players are not immune to criticism and neither is the coaching staff. Like neither is the staff, right? It was a horrible game plan on Sunday night. Sure. Absolutely. But the players didn't help. Like the injuries didn't help. The players execution didn't help. Like it's just, it was all a collective thing. It happens. It, it really does. John Ledyard had a fantastic tweet, a fantastic tweet. I retweeted it, and I want to read it on the show here. Okay, so somebody said, this coaching staff is awful. Time to say that. Super Bowl last season doesn't defend the ridiculous decisions this season. Ledger quote tweeted it, and I thought this was spot on. No, they aren't. They make mistakes like every other coaching staff ever. We don't have to fire them after everything we disagree with. We, we, we can be critical without being illogical and outrageous. So... There, there's there's it's too many extremes that go to oh fire this guy fire this guy fire this guy this guy sucks this guy sucks if they suck that bad i guarantee you no matter how much talent the bucks had they wouldn't have 10 wins right now okay it wouldn't happen if well, the coaching staff was so bad and as bad as they claim it, it would not have 10 wins right now it, it, it wouldn't. So it, it has to go both ways. And I think as a further message to maybe some of those people who do take things or takes like that to the extreme, right? Like we, we had people in our own comments section after the game against the saints that basically have said that this bucks team is dead in the water 
I mean, it's a 10-win football team with three games left to they go lost. in the season. And let's not act like the best record in the NFL right now isn't 11-3. and three. Like, it's not like the one seed has 14 or 15 wins and the Bucs are just really crawling their way into the playoffs. Like, the Bucs were in contention for the one seed until they lost to New Orleans. And still, mm. they could lose out and... and you know, depending on how other teams go, it couldn't shake out. They haven't clinched anything they, yet. They lost to the Saints nine to nothing, but last year they lost thirty eight to three, and everybody seems fine with it. Oh well, I mean, you know, th- well, there were plenty of people. There yeah. were plenty of people telling Brady to hang it up and and calling for Bruce's job after thirty eight to three last year. But I just don't think. Like, you know, I, I don't know why I don't know why people are reacting to this nine to nothing loss here, like it was worse than thirty eight to three. Because the Bucks won the Super Bowl. Because the that, expectations that, are as why. high as it's, they are. It, we predicted 13 and 4, both of us, as a season prediction, and we got blasted for it. And guess what? Sure looks like they're going to go 13 and 4. So we would have been spot on. But we got blasted for predicting 13 wins, which would be the most in franchise history. The issue was, while it was great, right? The Super Bowl season w- 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 was great. Um, if Tony says if we repeat, I will super chat my entire paycheck to the podcast. I'm gonna hold you to that. I'm gonna hold you to that. Listen, we are hurting for some. uh, Yeah, I need for some help in the Wendy fund. (laughs) We need you, Tone. Um, so yeah, don't. I will not forget that. Um, so here's the thing: in the playoffs, the Super Bowl. That's it was great, right? Never wouldn't trade it for the world. Going from seven and nine and not making the playoffs in 10 years to when you first make the playoffs the first year and winning the Super Bowl, it has the expectations. It all went from zero to 100, right, so fast. And it, the expectation just skyrocketed. And then not only do you win the Super Bowl, you bring the entire Super Bowl team right back. So people don't expect any sort of weakness. Well, this team won the Super Bowl. It's the same team. So they're going to go up, man, they're going to dominate. There's going to be even better. And it's just, it's not the case. It just, it's every year is different. Right. And I think that is why they're 10 and four right now. And people are acting like the season is done. Like they're talking about next year already. I think it's also important to mention that, like, you know, you said that, Everybody said this team was going to get better, and that's just not the case. But, I mean, let's look at this realistically. Going from 11-5 and five to 13 wins in a season no, while they when, haven't when I, done when it I mean, yet. When I mean better, I'm no, saying I, people, people they're just trashing, trashing us for 13-4 for, for, for and four because we didn't predict 16-1 and one with the Bucks winning by 20 every right. game. Yeah. No, I understand. But it's also important to mention that, yeah, there are benchmarks of improvement. Like, I think most realistic right. people. This team hasn't won the NFC South since 2007. They're about to do it. <laughs> they should have it's done it against the Saints, and and that's sure, an entirely absolutely. that's an entirely different discussion in itself, which we kind of have already had. But yeah, I I just I I don't understand it either, man. Like like the playoffs are really where things start to matter, and apparently ten and four is the end of the line for this team. Like Brady should just hang it up. The it. Somebody said in somebody's comment section, it was either us or our buddy James, that, you know, Brady has really been putting it all into all these games, but he can't say the same for everybody else on this team. I mean, yeah, some people are just delusional with how they view this team sitting at 10 and four and the number two seed in the NFC. It's just it, it is insane to me sometimes. It's just, you know, like I said, it's I understand the expectations being raised. I get it. But the issue is 
the expectations are just so high. It's impossible to meet. Like it's, it's impossible to meet them. Like, do you, I mean, it is so difficult to win one championship, let alone back-to-back championships. There's a reason that only the Patriots in 03 and 04, or I guess 04, 05, that there's a reason that they were the last ones to do it. It's not, it's not easy. The Kansas City Chiefs just tried, right? They would have been back-to-back champions, but they lost. It's, it's not easy to do that. So, you know, it, it's, it's tough, right? It's, it's almost impossible. Um, and I've said it on this podcast. I've said it on Twitter for years. People get way too high on the wins, and they get way too low on the losses. But they get even lower on the losses than high on the wins, right? Because it seems like with every loss now, it is the end of the world. Um, you know, it's, it's tough and, um, you know, there's a lot of season left to be played, right? The season is not over. Yes. Is it going to be very difficult to repeat without Chris Godwin? Absolutely. Was it going to be difficult to repeat with him? Yep. You know, it, it got a little harder now for sure, but th- this team's not done, right? And as long as they have number 12 under center, they're not done. As we start to reel things back in here, um, I don't want to get too far into the game preview, but I do want to talk about something that came out today regarding the Carolina Panthers and uh, this week's matchup on the road for the Bucks. actually. The day after Christmas, they're going to be playing in North Carolina for the division game. But head coach Matt Rule came out today and said that quarterback Cam Newton will get the start against the Buccaneers, but quarterback Sam Darnold, who was clear to play this week, will, quote, play at some point. So we have seen the uh, return of Cam Newton in Carolina, and I believe the last 12 games that he has started for Carolina, they have lost. They are 0-12 the last 12 times they have started Cam Newton. Uh, So hopefully they will be 0-13 after this Sunday, but it kind of begs the question, what are they going to do on offense? Is it, you know, it seems like, it seems, seems like a pretty transparent statement to say that, you know, Cam's going to start, but we're going to put Sam in because Cam's going to suck so bad. We have no choice, but could they be, you know, revealing some interesting offensive tactics this week? Because that doesn't seem uh, too out of the realm for a team that just got beat by the Taysom Hill led saints. So, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe Carolina could be looking to, to mix things up in their offensive playbook this week. Well, I, you know, I mean, they, um, thought to Tony, Tony was replying to himself. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the, well, the, the, the Panthers lost to the Bills. Um, the Bucks lost to the, the Taysom Millets. He sure was, wasn't he? I was just looking at the live chat and our buddy Tony Baloney sure as hell just responded to his own comment in the chat. Uh, I'm so glad you're here, Tony. Thanks. Um, We're glad to have you, my friend. <laughs> Um, Richard says Cam Darnold. That's a pretty good one. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, the Panthers have been doing this for a little bit now, just with a uh, PJ Walker, and it hasn't worked. So maybe they're hoping with Sam Darnold. Um, I think Cam Newton, I don't know. I don't know what the Panthers are doing. I really don't. It was st- honestly, from their perspective, I like JC Horn, right? The corner from South Carolina. I like him. It was stupid to pass on like Justin Fields there or Mac Jones. It was just, it's idiotic to do so because now you get yourself in this issue and now you might be drafting a quarterback in a, in a class that's not that great, or you're going to be paying for a veteran quarterback and giving up multiple draft picks and a quarterback that'll have a high cap hit. I mean, you put yourself in this position and you just get an easy out and, and you really took the, the weird way. So, um, 
you know, it's, it's, um, it's weird. I don't really know how to describe it because I don't know what to expect. Uh, now I don't think you're going to see, Oh, 50, 50 snaps, right. For Cam Newton slash Sam Darnold. Uh, I think it'll be, you know, Sam Darnold hasn't played in a while. Um, and you know, we'll have to see what happens, but uh, this is definitely a game, whether it's Sam Darnold, whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's PJ Walker, you know, this is a game the Bucks have to win. Uh, this is the Bucks are a better football team. Um, the Panthers do not pose as much of a threat to the Bucks as the Saints do. Um, and this is a this is a game that the Bucks have to win. You gotta secure the South here, right? All it takes is one win, one Bucks win or one Saints loss. So even if the Bucks were to lose to the Panthers, um, let's say the Saints lose to the Dolphins on Monday night, the Bucks clinch the division, but that's not how you want to get it done, right? You don't want to have to rely on another team beating another one to to do that. So um, you know. Hopefully a better effort uh, and a better performance, and they're going to be able to win it. Uh, I think Carolina is going to come out with some fight because, you know, just like the Saints were, we talked about it. You don't want to be the team that loses, and you know, you don't want to hand the Bucks a division. So Carolina is going to fight, but um, I do think that, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But it's it's going to be weird with with Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, because I, I don't know, I don't know what they're playing over there. Well, um, you want to know a fun fact. And I guess this might not be too fun for fans of Tom Brady, but Tom Brady to this day has never beaten a Cam Newton led football team. So this is his first opportunity to beat Cam Newton as a starting quarterback this Sunday. I know that's kind of a crazy stat. Yeah, I know that's an insane stat. Well, well he's he only played but... against them like once or twice, right? I think twice probably. Patriots being in the AFC, right. you only play them like once every four years. Yeah. Well, you know how you know how Cam fans are. There's a lot of stats that they like to hang on to. And uh, this is just one of the ones I had seen floating around Twitter this week. But definitely we'll get a lot more into this matchup on this week's game preview. Should be doing that show on either Friday or Saturday. We'll let you guys know, of course. And uh, I did get confirmation in the live chat that there are multiple Tonys. So we did not have an unhinged Tony Baloney in the chat just replying to his own comment. We do have multiple Tonys, the Tony verse here. Uh, and a really good comment from David Cardona, the moderator. He says, you know, if you think yeah, about this is it, like Spider-Man, Jeez. Yeah. you know, if you think about it, there's a universe somewhere where instead of James as the co-host, it's Tony. <laughs> yeah, well, James isn't even the co-host. You're kicking me out. What the heck? Oh, well, I mean, the third honorary member, I guess. Right. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> is <laughs> it a re- Tony, real quick? Tony, real Tony quick. man, no bucks home. But, but, but you know, yeah, <laughs> but, but before we head out, uh, Corey Fleming asked, is it safe to say at this point it's going to be 49ers at Bucks round one? Um, so here's the thing. The Bucks right now are the three seed, and Greg Allman has explained this a lot. The Bucks can actually pretty easily get back to the two seed as long as three things happen. One, the Rams lose a game. Two, the Cardinals lose a game. And three, the Bucks win out. If those three things happen, the Bucks will be the two seed, and then they will play the seven seed which will probably be either Philly, Washington, Minnesota, or New Orleans. Uh, it'll probably be one of those four. Um, so that would be the, the, the circumstances there. Um, now, see, Tony, if the Bucks went out, they are not the two seed. They're not automatically the two seed because of the Cardinals and Rams both went out. That would make it a, I believe, a four-way tie. And in four-way, actually three-way ties because the Cardinals would win the division. But in that case, that's why the Cowboys right now are number two because in a three-way tie, it doesn't do head-to-head 
as a tiebreaker, it does conference records, which the Cowboys conference record is currently better than the Buccaneers conference record. So, um, yeah, that, that's why. That's why Dallas is number two. So, in order, that's why you need the Cardinals and the Rams to eat to lose a game so it gets to a head-to-head tie and not the um, and not a three-way tie. So, that's, I know it's complicated, but fact is, those three things happen, the Bucs are the two seed. If they don't happen, then the Bucs are probably the three seed and they're probably playing the 49ers. Someone in the chat said the Bucs don't want the 49ers. Is that okay. true, Coach Wanish? I, well, I mean, they have Jimmy Garoppolo, and I don't think Tom Brady's going to lose to the team that Tom Brady still has a grudge. I mean, the 49ers literally passed up on him twice now. With the draft, he was heartbroken when the 49ers passed up on him. And then they literally said, oh, we can sign these a free agent. No, we're good with Jimmy J. You're so. sticking with that MFR? We we never yeah. got confirmation on who that was, did we? Or we did. No, didn't we? but I no, we didn't. I thought we did. No. No, no we didn't. I, I still I think it's either Jimmy Garoppolo or Ryan Tannehill, but Yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh well. I guess that's the show, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> I, think, I think we've covered just about everything we wanted to this week on the Mailbag Show. Big shout out to all of our people over on YouTube hanging out with us in the live chat. Of course, Tony Baloney, Willie Beeman, the moderator holding it down, AJ, the other Tony. Uh, we don't have a nickname for him just yet. Pat McGroin, anybody else that I may have missed. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. We truly do appreciate you. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Canon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you later on this week with the game preview show as the Buccaneers try to bounce back from a bad division loss to another division matchup this week with another chance to clinch the NFC South for the first time in 14 years. It should be a good one. I am your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you guys later on this week. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.